Hi, and I'd like to welcome you to Gay Out the City. I'm Sean, your guest host for the afternoon, and I am here with musician, podcaster, drag queen, content creator, and very dear friend of mine, Prince Electro Diamond. How are you doing today, sexy? I am good. I'm good. I will say it's very weird being in this position, like not knowing what's coming, but I'm also so fucking excited to like oh, do this. Oh, Oh, girl, you have no idea. This is, uh, well, this is really my first time doing something like this. And if I may say, people have always told me I should work in radio, so we'll see how this goes. Fuck it. Yeah. Definitely. So, okay. I'll just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to take over too much because obviously you're in charge. But, like, I'm just going to explain to the audience. So what I wanted to do was there was a poll about a few months ago that, I asked my audience if they wanted to try and see a guest host on here. So this is the trial run. So from this point, I'm going to stop taking over and Sean, go ahead. You, you got it. <laughs> okay. So, well, my first question for you, uh, for as long as I've known you and as much as we've talked about in the last few months about, you know, uprooting yourself and moving to a new city, because I mean, Let's face it, we're in small town Florida, and I mean, ew. <laughs> totally. But, <laughs> but what would you say are the top three cities to which you'd want to move? I would say definitely, and this is more like a recent revelation, my top three would be Detroit, Austin, or Atlanta. And that's something where... I will say I've gone through the whole, as I've explained to people, I've gone through the whole 360 of the idea of living in LA from me saying I would never live in LA to me going back to mm -hmm. the fact that I would never move to LA. Because I thought for a little bit I might, but then I realized I'm like, no offense to all the people out there from LA. It's just I am very much a real bitch i'm very much an opinionated person and i know that that shit don't fly in la if you're not gonna tell somebody they're fucking amazing fucking work <laughs> oh my lord but um yeah and, and detroit um i know we've talked about this before but you know caught me a little bit by surprise but then the more that i thought about it <laughs> i think you know where we're going with this right i mean <laughs> For but me, it, it's go ahead. But it it, it 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 is still kind of a music city, uh, at least I think so. Because back in the day, it uh, you know Motown and all the other major record labels were up there. And but what's what's left of it? So I mean, there's still tons of open mic scenes in Detroit. I mean, it's very much not necessarily like everyone's first music choice for like a city. But when I like was doing research into it. Detroit is literally, I read in an article, Detroit's like the 11th largest music city in the world. So like, oh, wow. so like Detroit is like, it's not necessarily like pretty. It's got that like gritty edge where it's like, I figure as I've like talked to you about before, I'm thinking definitely once I move, I'm going to finally put out an album and I feel like Detroit is the perfect place to do that because if you want to go put out music you sh and do it affordably, mm -hmm. you should do it to a city with music roots and that's Detroit. 
through and through. Well, then that kind of leads me into my next question. So I know that you're planning on really growing your podcast. And do you feel like, you know, moving to a new city would help you do that? Or like, what, what would you focus more on putting out an album or taking this show to the next level? I mean, ooh, that is a good question. I mean, in some ways, I am someone who's like always thought that doing this podcast and doing music have always gone hand in hand. So it's never, I think, in my opinion, having to choose one or the other. It's going to be finding a way to meld both to make that work in a new atmosphere. And it's something that I honestly believe will eventually be able to do. I mean, this is the thing. I would say, you know how long I've been doing this. When I started out doing this podcast, and even when I started doing interviews in January, I had no idea what exactly I would be able to do in terms of growth and if I was even going to be able to be successful right. doing, at getting people to do interviews. Like... When I started in January, I'd have no idea that I'd be in the position that I am now and that I'm grateful to have met such great people. Like, literally, probably, like, one of the biggest people that I've gotten, like, close to, and I've told you this, is um, my friend Milo Marks, who I literally met as he was creating his album, The Makings of an Outcast. I was able to discover his work and like get to see him grow and change and like put out something that made me that um sorry not made me made him show his real authentic self and I figured like why don't I do that because I mean it's time I'm ready to get this album out i'm ready i'm ready to talk like that's probably why i haven't put out an album before because i wasn't ready to talk and now i'm ready to confront all of the horrific things that have happened in my life and all the traumas and i'm ready to confront it head on which sweetie if i may say that's a very brave thing to do yeah because i've known you since Christ Almighty, 2009. So going on, going on 15 years, I've seen you at your highest and at your lowest and everything in between. Yeah. And, but in the last couple of years, I, I can't even, like, if this makes sense, uh, the place that you've gotten to, like the, the headspace you've achieved, I mean, it's, it's something to really be proud of. But I want to ask you. Thank you. Like even in the last year alone, what what strides have you made in improving your mental health and I guess overall happiness? Well, I would say what I've made in the um, in terms of like mental health, I would say in truth, I didn't honestly get into like a completely good headspace till about a month, two months ago when I started, like, oh, wow. when I, when I decided to, well, I was, it wasn't, I was in a bad place, but there mm. was stuff that I still had to confront. And it was like, when I wrote 
my song Don't Touch Me, where it's like I've always like kind of even since it's happened, I've always acknowledged the fact that I've been sexually assaulted, but it's like mm-hmm. finally having the courage to like say that and then like also just then, getting God. Yeah, but then I guess you got to a point where you used a different label. Like to, to, to finally like to finally call it for what it really was. That's what I'm just about to get to. Mm-hmm. So then after I wrote Don't Touch Me, because I have to make this clear. I have been raped and I have been sexually assaulted. I've been both. But as we've had the conversation before, I feel like it's important when people are talking about rape to say that it's rape. And when you're talking about sexual assault, to say that it's sexual assault. Because blanketly saying all sexual assault for everything and not acknowledging rape for what it is, it's just, it puts like this sort of... Well, let me... uh... Yeah, let me uh, let, let me put it this way. So, the way I see it, all rape is sexual assault, but not all sexual assault is rape. Absolutely, and it's like when I was raped the first time I ever had sex, I had to confront that, and that's why when I wrote "Rape," that song is an intense EDM style song, but it's like I needed to confront that because. As I've explained to people, I knew that I was never going to be able to be in a successful relationship if I didn't get past this because yeah, because it stifles you. Yeah, because in a way, it um, writing this, I guess writing this gave you some sense of closure or like the ability to, you know, come to terms with it and say, this is what happened and, you know, I need to move on with my life. Absolutely. And it allowed me to finally get to a place where it's like, I think in truth, that's why I haven't sought a relationship before that, or none of my relationships have worked before. Cause it's like, as you went, as you went back to, if you call something that is rape, sexual assault, and you only clar- classify it as sexual assault, you're still carrying part of that trauma with you. And it's like, if you don't allow yourself to just go head front head forward with it, because it's like, I mean, was it something that was easy? No. The first time I performed rape, I pretty much cried anytime I was awake. I slept a lot that day, but I cried most of the day. And that's why Oh, honey. When I got into yeah, and when I got into the Twitch stream, I had difficulty singing because from me like tearing up and like crying so much, my own throat had sort of like tightened up. Yeah, that's yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I guess going through any type of trauma, it'll manifest in the weirdest physical ways possible, but at least from what I can tell, you've gotten to a point where you're not letting this trauma define you. No, because that's and that's the struggle I had to do was I had to be there and be like, 
I just sit there and be like, I don't give a fuck. It's honestly the way that I've done anything in terms of like when I decided to be like Prince Electro Diamond and start wearing like bodysuits and all that and start wearing t-shirt dresses. I had to be like that person who sat there and said like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't yeah. give a fuck what you think. Uh, girl, work, work. But that actually leads me to my next question where did you have a moment that inspired you to create Prince Electro Diamond or was it more like a gradual process? See, I would say that my first recollections of what Prince Electro Diamond started out as started as early as actually when we first met back in 2009. Oh, wow. But, but <laughs> I didn't have... But also, you remember from that time, at that time, we were both identifying as straight. So, I mean, like... I have right. this. I have this vision. Yeah, what a fucking joke. Um, <laughs> I have this like vision of doing stuff and wearing platform shoes and wearing like a blonde or no, wearing like a blue wig and like I had all this vision and like eventually it got to when I moved to Orlando the first time. Well. Move to the suburbs. Mistake. Um, it was like, <laughs> through that, I had somebody confront me, and they're basically like, they loved the fact of how I got into performing, and they're like, you're, there's something you're not... They basically made it seem like there's something that where the wheels aren't turning completely, and... You need to start like performing as you, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? You're right. So, the name Prince Electro Diamond literally just came. Oh shit! Okay. Uh, hey, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, not a problem. It happens. So anyway, um. So the name Prince Electra Diamond honestly just came to me one day when I was like coming home from uh, Walgreens when I was walking back to my apartment. Oh, wow. Back, and like I said, I'm like, I like this. <laughs> it's and like when you, it's like when you know, you fucking know. Absolutely. Like it, it just it just feels right. And then, like, I had to accept being an outsider, mm -hmm. which that's literally the story of my life. But it's like when you're performing in those open mic scenes where everybody else is just sitting there being typical white guys with their guitars. <laughs> but, performing their shit and I would hand the DJ my iPod with my um track for songs like Confession and I used to hit like those hard 303 synths and like the drums and like fucking make shit and you have to look at half of this is gonna be like well the musicians are gonna love what you're doing oh, but yeah. a lot of older people are gonna be like looking at you like you're crazy 
Well, that's frankly, that's a tale as old as time. The, the older generations, they're always, you know, they're always the first ones to get shocked by new music. Like, oh, that's the fucking devil's work you're doing. Exactly. And it's like, with that, I learned to like, not care. Like, were there certain things that I did when I was outperforming that I regret? Honestly, only one thing. What's that? And it was, okay. So there was this guy who, like, when I was performing in a straight bar, paid me, like, 20 bucks to, like, take my wig and, like, wear it for, like, five minutes and like gave it back to me and it's like i felt i felt i took the money but i felt weird afterwards yeah i i would too that's i i'm not i think you might have told me that story once but i i don't remember no it's something i don't usually think about but it's like but that kind of reminds me didn't uh at another show didn't some drunk fan come up to you and try and snatch the wig off your head that was not at the straight bar. That was at that was at Parliament House. Yeah, but, yeah, that is at another bar. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> but, but but well, no, they they didn't try to snatch the wig off my head. They did it. Oh shit! <laughs> like no, they were successful. Oh boy! And it's like, as I said, they lucky. They're lucky they got me on a good night because if not, my shoe would have gone off and I would have beat them upside the head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I would pay to see that. Because <laughs> it's like I try and be a peaceful person, but it's like don't. There is this artist out there who's like, her name's Brooke Candy, and she literally has a song that says, "Don't touch my hair, ho." Like, don't touch my hair. Like, it's mine. It's not yours. Yeah, it's like, like you know, you like you touch my hair, I'll fucking I'll fight a bitch. Yeah, and it's like. It was annoying because, like, then you have to, like, sit there and, like, fix the part and, like, make sure everything's in place. But it's, like, be, I would say, be respectful to all entertainers. Like, be respectful to drag queens. Don't touch their hair. Don't, like, finger a go-go boy's asshole. Like, I mean, these are things that, like, I feel should be common fucking sense. But some people just don't know how to act. And it's a shame. Well, and... And especially in a post-COVID world, common sense has just gone out the window. I mean, not not just not just at bars or nightclubs, but even just walking down the fucking street or trying to have a normal conversation with somebody. It's it just makes me want to pull my fucking hair out. It's almost like I would say in general. I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I would definitely say that I feel a lot of times very uncomfortable talking to non-queer people because I always feel like until I get to like know you, my first instinct is that if you are heterosexual, cis-hetero, my first instinct is that automatically that you're homophobic. Well, why do you assume that? Because in truth, I would say it's the area that we live in. If, Which if I, mean, I live right, I don't think I'd have those problems. That's like fun. I've I mean, me personally, I've never I've never encountered a lot of that 
if any, around here. But I, I, I have met my fair share of uh, people like that elsewhere. Even I can even remember back in back in college days. I was, I mean, I'm I'm talking this this is when I was fresh out the closet, like early 2014. But right, I was. I remember I was sitting outside the library with a few people, like a couple of people I knew, and then one of his buddies showed up, and then he was, I don't know what got him on this tangent, but he was just ranting about, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I can't stand these these fags, these queers, these, you know, just going on and on, and so I kind of politely excused myself and went home, but, <laughs> you know, but but now these days, I mean... I, I try not to let language like that bother me because, you know, if anything, it's like the, the community needs to take back the power of those words and be like, no, like, sweetie, those are our words. You know, what are you what are you doing? It's not that, like, I'd have a problem hearing it. My thing is. I would say overall, not like physically, but verbally, I would say I'm probably a little bit more combative than you. So it's like. If somebody like goes in there, I remember what was it at? There was this person at like not the job I'm at now, but the previous job who I heard say the um, I'm not gonna say the word, but heard I heard say the T slur, and I'm like, What'd you just say? Mm -hmm. Uh oh, because I'm like. And then their argument was, well, that's what porn says. I'm like, listen, we are not going to be here to police porn. Like, we are here. I am here, and you are, like, way too young. Because they were 24 years old, this person. And, like... this, And wh where did this happen? This happened at Addington. Right before, oh. Was, yeah. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah. So... Yeah, I did. So it's like, I'm like, you are too fucking young for me to have to explain to you why this is wrong but it is it's, wrong yeah it's and i mean at the same time it's like mm, i guess we can only spend so much time you know trying to police language which i mean i'm not really i, I wouldn't say i'm in favor of policing like everyone's language because you know some people they're just really set in their ways and it's like you know but you, you still call them out yeah, I mean, I get that, but it's it's like it's. I, I I was talking to, I think it was a cousin or a friend of mine, and you know he raised the point that part of what's affected the left of uh, the left side so much is instead of spending most of their time mobilizing and actually organizing and demonstrating for what they believe in, they've now turned to monitoring and gatekeeping uh you know language and social media posts and almost like purposely looking for stuff even from 10 15 years ago to you know cancel them now and some people really do deserve to be fucking canceled but it's like at the same time in fact that's that's what i want to ask you you know what are your thoughts on cancel culture and like how bad it's actually gotten I would say overall, there are certain people who absolutely, in my well, it's 
actually, I would say that they don't need to be canceled. It's more they need to be. Here's where I think the problem is. A lot of people want to like cancel people mm-hmm. instead of looking at the bigger picture, where it's like, no, these people need to be in jail. Like, yeah, it's yeah, no, and, and canceling. I mean, it's it should be for like the most extreme cases, because you know, but like, ah, uh, let's see. I had an example, and then I lost my train of thought. But, um, but well, I mean, the example that I would use of somebody who needs to not just be canceled, but needs to be in jail, is somebody like James Charles, who is like has right. a giant giant platform. I'm about to explain. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea, of course. Typical. This this is our like friendship. <laughs> I have to explain this who the fuck people are. Anyway. But it's like so James Charles is a um beauty and for, the rec- inf- for the record, I'm doing the best I can, so back off. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um James Charles is a um beauty influencer who mm-hmm. has famously over I wanna say or I shouldn't say famously, infamously over the past, I want to say easily year and a half, has been caught multiple times DMing straight men or straight boys who are under the age of 18. Oh, fuck. That's not good. Yeah. So that's where I'm saying, like, at this point, I think there's, like, at least... I want to say there's at least like 15, 20 like people against him, or maybe even be more than that. And it's like at that point, that goes beyond cancel culture, and that goes to exactly. this motherfucker needs to be in jail. Yeah, it's like you know, cancel culture is one thing, but if you have someone supposedly you know committing criminal acts, then yeah, it's <laughs> you need to you need to take it from there. And in fact. I need to pause for just a second because my laptop's battery sucks. And let me just go and plug this bad boy in. Hold on. Okay. No problem. Okay, there we go. And I know and I know that you said before that this platform might cut out, you know, while well, it's charging. Well, yeah, we'll see. And I mean, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyway, so but yeah, what was so... this? Two, two cancel culture. It's like, there's some things I kind of get. Like, well, no, I, I shouldn't say I get, but it's like, I understand why certain things are being done. Like, how at Disney, they're closing Splash Mountain because they want to reopen it to not have Song of the South be... A um, a staple of the ride. They want to have it to where like the princess and the frog is because that's a little bit more. And I've and I've seen people. I've seen black people actually argue that Song of the South is not a um. I shouldn't say not. I don't want to say it's not a racist movie, but it's not it portrays black people in a good way. And I feel like it doesn't because it shows them honestly being happy and singing on the plantation. And it's like, that's not how things were. Right. And 
And I mean, I would go out, I would go out on a limb to say that a lot, that most people alive today, myself included, have never actually seen the full movie. Like I know I've seen clips of it on YouTube, but I, I take it the film's been out of print for a long time. Uh, yeah. In yeah, fact, but, I no, but I, only... I, 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 uh, I, I know you've seen the whole thing because I mean, your mom bought everything and anything Disney related. She recorded it from. I don't know where. I feel like she um rec was able to like record it on VHS for like a um. Oh. And recorded it with like somehow she got to like a Japanese channel because it had like Japanese subtitles on it. I don't exactly know how that happened, but like that definitely was. So yes, I had seen the whole movie, but it's like when people say like because I will say this, and particularly in Florida. Especially nowadays, and I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some shit for this, but I don't fucking care. I'm gonna say it. Like, uh, oh, Florida, Florida is raising a generation of idiots. <laughs> like, it's it's. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Like, well, I mean, with the San, I mean, with DeSantis banning all the books and you know telling teachers what they can't say in the classroom, like. <laughs> and tried to make it seem like that during the civil rights era that black people wanted to come to this country. Like, how the fuck can you do that? That's that's not history. That's literally rewriting history. Right. And if I recall, a lot of black servicemen joined. I mean, I'm talking like the beginning and like going into Vietnam here, but they joined the service to get away from all that shit. Exactly. It's like, granted, I mean, some people say, like, you shouldn't just, like, only focus on the tragic parts of history. You should focus on history as a whole, but it's like, I get but, wanting to focus on history as a whole, but you can't rewrite history. It fucking happened. Yeah, because, I mean, and it, it hasn't been that long since we graduated high school, and I can still remember the, a lot of my teachers, they didn't really hold back when it came to, you know, talking about the tough chapters of the history book. And even, I mean, I've even heard some of the books that we've read, like To Kill a Mockingbird off the top of my head, you know, one of right. my, one of my favorite novels of all time, they, they took it out of the classroom. I mean, we even watched, you know, the movie with Gregory Peck and, you know, they made a lot of adaptations and changes, but especially right at the end where, you know, Atticus Finch was given this closing argument to the jury it just sends a chill down my spine, you know, just the way that he just gives such irrefutable evidence that, you know, Tom Robinson was not guilty, but somebody in the courtroom was. But then, of course, they still found him guilty as charged. And they I think if I remember right, they shot him when he was trying to get out of get out of prison. And so it's just, like it's this really tough it's tough shit to to learn, but you know, if you don't learn history, then it's going to repeat itself. Exactly. It's like everyone who, especially, what I feel like teaching history does is teaching history prevents 
conservatism. Because what that is, is when you have people like the Proud Boys who are out there and Trump supporters who are out there saying like six million Jews dead weren't enough. I'm like, what are you fighting for? Because you're you're clearly not fighting for anything good. You're fighting for the amount of Jewish people to be greater that are dead. It's like, why that's, are you advocating for murder at all? It's which that's fucked. That's fucked up six ways from Sunday. Yeah, it's and I. I mean, I can safely say I've never seen anything like that around here. But you I mean anytime that does happen, that makes you know it, it makes all the major uh, news outlets. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, if if you're if so, we have a governor who is effectively censoring the classroom, and I even you know a, a couple of people in my life, you know, they're teachers. In fact, one's a former teacher and another, you know, teaches math. But the the restrictions that they've placed in the classroom, like he was even saying how um, in English classes, they don't even really do novels anymore. They just do articles, current events, and just analyze. I'm like, in what way does that teach someone, you know, fucking English if you're not actually reading books, discussing them, and you know, doing projects, you know, if you're just reading the news, I'd be bored to tears. Well, it's because you, when you say that, you're also getting the news very, well, okay. News itself, especially nowadays, is very biased, but you know the news that they're they're feeding to children is children, teens, whatever you want to call it, is very much especially in Florida, it's very much a conservative perspective on how the country is right now. And it's like... Like, and I, I really I really get where you're coming from. And I think, I think now I get my news from, like, two sources, NPR and the BBC. And even then, a little bit of bias will slip in there somehow, but... You know, whether it's left-leaning like CNN, MSNBC, or right like Newsmax and Fox, uh, you really can't turn on the TV or go online without somebody just giving their opinion on what the news... I'm like, like, motherfucker, just tell me, tell us what happened. Don't, you know, don't put these like big headlines and music to just get you all scared and riled up. I mean, <laughs> I've even... I've even talked about shit like this with my dad where, I mean, he's, I mean, he remembers guys like uh, Walter Cronkite, you know, he'd come on at six o'clock and report the news for half an hour. Boom. Done. But I mean, okay, I will play devil's advocate here. Do you honestly think that CNN and MSNBC are very left leaning? Cause I would say, you can't be in that corporate system and be left-leaning because um, <clears throat> if, the, if there's something against pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical companies are your ads. You can't report a story on them. Yeah, it's so when I said left-leaning, I guess that's the image they try to project. But when you peel back all those layers, 
you know, that's that's where they're, you know, that's what they're really about. You you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, even even independent networks like uh, if we could talk about TYT because I know you you no longer support them or watch them. Absolutely. And have have you ever discussed why, or has anyone ever asked you? I nobody has like. I think everyone especially knows that, especially when I used to do the opinionated bitch, I was very much a person who was about watching them. But it's like, mm-hmm. when you see them sort of being transphobic and allowing that to be okay, I can't support a network that does that because my feeling is if... I know there are some gays out there that think that the T needs to be separated from the LGBT movement and they just want to be the, in the LGB movement. We all have to fight together. Because let's be clear, let's not forget, just to give you all some like history, it was Marsha P. Johnson who threw the first brick of Stonewall. Don't care what that fucking movie said, it was Marsha fucking P. Johnson who did it. Fucking and- work. And in fact, if I can point this out, it's, it's it's almost like we were destined to meet each other because I share a birthday with her and your birthday is on Stonewall Day. Absolutely. So it's like with anyone who's like, you have to separate them. It's like, but why? We're already divided as a country out there because you have everybody else. You have essentially you have heterosexuals not as a whole, but in, like, a large respect, fighting against us. Because you have people who, I will just say this, you cannot support Candace Owens and say that, or Owens, and say that you support the LGBT community. You, 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 you can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, and I mean, that's just, excuse me, that's one of, like, many, many examples. I think the way I see things, I think a, a lot of people just, you know, they don't really, they don't really care one way or the other. It's like, okay, like, you know, they know we exist and, you know, and I would say most people support our right to get married and have a family because, you right. know, because I mean, I mean, compared with how things were even like, even like 20 years ago, I mean, and I, frankly, I, I knew I was gay a long, long time before I even admitted it to myself. But, you know, things, it, it, it just wasn't talked about in my house. You know, my parents, they could not be more loving and supporting. It's just the way I remember it. I mean, I didn't even know that one of my aunts was a lesbian until I was an adult. Like, it's we, we, it just wasn't talked about. And I was also pretty, a little bit naive and clueless to that sort of thing. But then... Once I got to college, it opened my eyes to, you know, this whole great, big, beautiful world of, you know, you know, pe- people of all, all different backgrounds and personalities. And even, right. I mean, for the record, I, I never even heard the word transgender until I got to college. And it took me a little while to understand it. But once I did, I'm like, you know, like, girl, I, I mean, you, you do you, boo. Yeah. And it's like, you I would say this, like, obviously, you know that I had never, I didn't finish college. So, like, my experience was 
living among the real world. And it's like, once I lo- lived among the real world and saw that all these things that conservatives, like, granted, I wasn't conservative at this time. It's like, you see all these people that they quote-unquote call, like, welfare babies and, like, food stamp um, moochers and all this. Like, all the fucking shit that they say, it's like, you see motherfuckers out here struggling. And when you can't pay somebody fucking $15 an hour in this country, like, and that doesn't even, like, conflate to where inflation is gone because like now it needs to be twenty dollars an hour but you can't pay somebody fifteen dollars an hour to work yeah because if if the minimum wage which hasn't budged in fucking 15 years congress get your head out your ass but if it had kept up with inflation and productivity it'd be it'd be over twenty dollars an hour uh but if you <laughs> so if you really want something that just you know puts it in perspective just how under underpaid and mistreated like for example retail workers are just watch watch john oliver's segment on uh, dollar stores like right. some of like some of the shit that he uh shows the world like you know the fact that they those stores are so understaffed that sometimes will be just one employee playing cashier manager restocker everything you know the, the the floor's in shambles the back room's a mess and customers are pissed even i think even uh there was this one dollar store that got shut up i can't remember where but somebody robbed the place and then not even an hour later the regional manager was talking about when are we going to reopen the store i'm like uh excuse me you your employees have just been through a traumatic experience and you're already talking about reopening the store i mean get the fuck out of here and and you know they're making minimum wage if not a little bit more and it's like i know there's been an argument before that like the states should um essentially raise the minimum wage themselves but they're not going to do it because it's like and going back to why i decided (laughs) to move to detroit it's like if you look at like the cheapest apartment in Detroit versus the minimum wage in Michigan, mm-hmm. like ratio wise, it's honestly the best. Like, how do I put this? It's like the best per like, like for example, the minimum wage in Michigan is ten thirty three. The cheapest apartment is six hundred dollars. That's so it's proportionally accurate. So that's commensurate with the cost of living, I think, is what you're trying to say. Exactly. Which that, that was going to be my next point is, you know, instead of having the national minimum wage be the same, I think you, we should have a federal mandate where every state has to, you know, an, uh, analyze the cost of living on a yearly basis and then raise the minimum wage to fit the cost of living. Cause I mean, obviously, you know, $15 an hour goes a lot further in Alabama than say uh, California. Right. But it's like, if, if to that point you have States like, okay, so going back to Atlanta, the minimum wage in Georgia is seven twenty-five an hour. The cheapest apartment I found 
when looking for apartments was seven ninety nine a month. That it does not add up at all. No. There's no way that you can make seven twenty five an hour and live in an apartment. Like not saying that I want to get them jobless minimum wage, but I'm saying that I need it to at least be like somewhat proportional. So whatever job I'm getting paid will be enough for me to be able to afford to live and then some. Yeah, because I mean, you know, anyone who has a job like that and has to pay rent, they you can't make it without government assistance. You, you just can't. And which is why I'm like, if you would pay your employees a little bit more fucking money, then we'd save even more money by not having as many people need food stamps, uh, Section 8 vouchers. I mean, all, right. like all incredibly helpful programs. It's just like there's such a there's such a disconnect between like, oh, you know, we we want to keep our workforce as lean and trim as possible. And then <laughs> I just I, I I think I've hashed at that enough, but <clears throat> but and briefly briefly going back to uh you know like the trans community um so I know that, uh, and I'm going back a ways here. I know that you were in a relationship with somebody who came out as trans, like later, and right. you know, and, and I know you and I have talked about it a lot. But it's like after after having that experience, like how did that shape your view of you know of the community? I would say. I didn't have like a shaping or changing view of the trans community till much after that because because yeah. like was... I, like I remember you know she left you a note moved all of her stuff out and that was it and you right. were yeah you were you were pissed confused angry well <clears throat> I mean it is because it's like granted going back to struggling to live it's like mm -hmm. having two incomes in an apartment really helps me because it's like yeah it's like the struggle less and it's like now i'm back to dealing with the shit on my own it's just it yeah it's shook on my whole world well i think your rent when you were living where you were it was like what eight seven fifty eight hundred a month no it never got to 800 a month oh. i i moved out before they tried to like sneak that in and that's why I ended up leaving that apartment but it's like I mean and this and we're talking like a, a piece of shit duplex built in the 60s with all kinds of things wrong with it and absolutely the landlord wouldn't fix fucking anything and but um yeah I think a little while ago you know, we were curious and looked up your old address and they wanted like 950 maybe absolutely a, a, I'm like like what why? Be because they feel that they can get it. And it's like, it's a shame because like, you should not, okay, I don't care what anybody says, you should not be paying $900 a month and living in the hood. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. That to me doesn't make any sense. Not at all. And it's like, that's why, like, when I looked at Detroit, you could get apartments 
So what I was paying there for one bedroom, I found two bedrooms for seven fifty a month. Girl, what? Yeah. Wow. In fact, that's I think that's what a friend of mine was paying to live in a two bedroom. And this is like fifteen years ago. In fact, it might have even been six fifty, and he had a roommate. So, you know, that was easy breezy. But and even around here. Uh, there is rent-controlled housing, like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have gotten into a place yeah. that o- that offers that, but I had to wait almost two years, and, you know, I can't imagine the wait list is any shorter, like, with all the other places. No, and it's like, you shouldn't have to live in rent-controlled housing. Your uh, rent should be based on what the minimum wage is and it's just or it should be sort of as i said it should be ratioed better to what the minimum wage is but it's like or or, or the cost of living yeah yeah right but yeah it's like um i'll finish that thought i promise um but uh Oh, why don't we come back to it? Um, okay. But yeah, it's, you know, with, with what people are paid versus, you know, being at the mercy of landlords, it's, you know, it's no wonder that, you know, the homeless crisis has gotten infinitely worse. That even, especially, like, I'm going to just touch on California's problem for a second, because, you know, what is California to say that they're committed to solving the homeless crisis when uh, there are committees that, like like in different cities like L.A., San Francisco, uh, wherever, but if I'm not mistaken, some of the people in these commissions to help the homeless, they're paying, they're, they're making a quarter million a year, if not more. So it's like, what incentive do you have to get all the homeless people off the street if you're just laughing all the way to the bank exactly and it's like you can't you can't sit there and let developers come in and build on the conservative side two thousand dollar apartments and say that you're trying to solve the homeless problem there's no way that you can do that because like that's why nobody can afford to live in california and that's why so many people like Skid Row is a thing because it's you can't the, afford to live there. Yeah, I mean, girl, there's there's over fifty thousand people in Skid Row alone. I mean, that's that's like twice the population of the city we're in now, just on a multiple block section of L.A. Like that's just fucking insane. You know, on top of uh, you know the how easy it is to get fentanyl and all the violence that breaks out. It, it's it's just so it's so depressing, and yet. You know, the people who have the power to do something about it, they just, you know, they, they spin their wheels and, you know, give their talks like, oh, we're working day and night to solve this problem. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because this problem would have been fixed years ago. Right. And I want to state for the record that the homeless problem that they have in L.A. is not the reason I don't want to move there. I don't want to move there because I want to, at least in my view... Not to everybody in LA, but this is a large part of the population. I want to be able to have a conversation with somebody and know that, or like 
I want to be able to have a friend in somebody and know that they're my actual fucking friend. Like, in other words, you know, you're concerned with, like, fakeness out there. Absolutely. Which, I, I get that. I get that. I, you know, and, and I've been to L.A. a few times. It's a fun town, you know, like, there's so much shit to do. And, you know, it's not all just Hollywood and, you know, oh, look, there's the Hollywood sign. And let's go to the Chinese theater. It's right. I mean, if I were to go back to L.A., I would just, you know, I go on the outskirts of town. I go to Laurel, fucking Laurel Canyon, where some of the greatest music of our time, you know, came out of this one little part of L.A. Of course, I mean, <laughs> plenty of uh, drugs and illicit substances involved, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but they, they wrote some damn fine verses. Well, it's because back then... L.A. was a music city. L.A. is not a music city now. L.A. is very much a TV, movie, and, like, production city. Where it's like, if somebody made the argument of where would I rather live, L.A. or New York, I would 100% live in New York because New York is actually where, at least in my view, artists created. Hmm. I get that. And, and, I mean, L.A., I guess, has always been... A production and filming type of city but i guess these days it's it's almost like it's lost its roots like it's, it's the, oh, go, go ahead it's a city that's run basically now on reality tv and it's like hmm. i will say i am a fan of reality tv myself well I am a fan of certain reality TV because I will say this. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. I saw something not that long ago where I said officially, we, the end of civilization is near. Because oh. I would say, granted, I don't have cable. This was on when I was at work one day. And it's like, I saw on A&E, there is a show where people now argue with parking attendants who give them tickets. Are you fucking serious? This is a real fucking show. And, okay, well, and there's, have... more than, there's more than one episode of the show, by the way. I... <laughs> and, and, this is on A&E. At least when I was a kid, A&E was an educational channel. I, yeah, I, I do remember that, but that's like we have officially run out of ideas for like I I can't. <laughs> no. There's there's another one too. There's a show about people getting their cars out of repo lots. Um, there's a show about people drag racing horse and buggies with like rockets out of the back. We are done as a society, like. <laughs> We are officially done. Like, what the fuck is this? I mean, I would say, you know, climate change more spells the end for society, but that's another story. But but it's just like, you know, every, I guess, and entertainment, it's just like, originality is almost impossible to find. And when you do find it, it's like, uh, people are actually taking time out of their day to watch this. That's why I saw this. I'm like, I'm like, why? Like, 
literally, I swear, the next door, then if that's where we're going as shows, the next show is going to be sitting there watching doormen open doors and complaining when people don't say thank you to them. That's literally where we're going as a society. <laughs> it, like that's as as I say, I am a fan of reality TV. As I said, I have I have a friend who's been on reality TV. I know people who have been on reality TV. I am inter interviewing a um what well, of announcements, so I mean I can say it. I'm interviewing um. Greg McKeon, who's a judge on GoGo -Go for the Gold tomorrow, which is a reality mm -hmm. show. So it's not like I don't support reality TV. I yeah, just like, support TV with like substance. And I mean, in my case, like I'm always down to watch, you know, uh, Kitchen Nightmares, Hell's Kitchen, Hotel Hell. I mean, I probably spend way too much of my time watching Gordon Ramsay and other people like that. But yeah, you know, not all reality TV sucks, but it's like, I mean, well, let's take MTV, for example. You know, they. <laughs> They might as well take the M out of it because they ditched the music a long time ago, and it's 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 like nothing but reality shows now. But it's because of how people consume music, right? Because, right. <clears throat> like, I guess I mean back in the day, if you wanted to hear your favorite, you know, your favorite band or musician, I mean, you had just a couple of choices either go out and buy the album or if you had cable wait for the music video to come on or wait for it to be on the radio now it's just like with a couple of clicks you can you have the whole world's music catalog in the palm of your hand which i will say that is there is an upside to that there is a downside to that the downside is it makes everyone believe well i would say that in the invention of auto-tune makes everyone believe that they can do music mm -hmm. let me just put this for the record no you can't no <laughs> if you can if you cannot perform it live you cannot do a song work <laughs> oh. <laughs> so okay so speaking of performing live um yeah so let's talk more about uh you know, your, your drag routine and, you know, doing shows and I guess everything in between. So, right. Um, I guess my first question is, what's the most you've ever made in tips, like during one show? Uh... I go I go to shows with a lot of cheap people. I think the most I've made is like <laughs> is like thirty five dollars. Okay, I mean it's because I know they'll you know they'll still offer to buy you shots or drinks and shit. Which I will say, I am someone who's very much against against that notion. I would rather have somebody tip me whatever they're going to pay for that drink than buy me a drink. That's just how I am. Hmm, I get that. Um, but I, let's see, do you, well, do you have any plans to do another show like sometime soon, like in the next couple of weeks? In the next couple of weeks? No, I actually was just having this conversation with somebody this morning. My view of performing and like getting back into music is very much 
going to be when I get to De- Detroit mm-hmm. or, or one of the other cities that I'm thinking about moving to because it's like you you know how the music scene is here. Yeah, a lot of it's. I mean, a lot of it's like you know cover bands and you know I but I have seen some like genuinely good people at open mic nights, but it's you know but they're but they're hard to find. You know, other times you know I'll be downtown and you know local restaurant by the water's got some cover band and I'm like ooh ooh no just please. <laughs> well, well, okay. Let me put it this way. In terms of an open mic around here, could you imagine anyone letting me in the door to an open mic? Depends on who you ask, because I can think of a couple of places. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but you might be able to get in somewhere. I mean, and now every every eye in the room is going to be on you. But I'm that's sure me. You- any, that's me anywhere. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not to like, not to like brag about myself, because that's like. As I've heard somebody say, to quote um, my friend Milo, he said, not to brag about myself, that's so gauche, but like, it's, (laughs) it's very much like, I know I'm the center of attention. That's why, like, it's not like I do this to get attention, but it's like, I know attention's gonna come to me. And if you don't think that, you're delusional. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because, I mean, it, this makes me think of all the times we used to go to drag night every Wednesday. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. But it's, I guess, uh, I guess there was, like, a lot of infighting and drama, like, behind behind the scenes. And uh, I I know we went to, uh, who who was performing at uh, the office that night? Um, Let's see. That night would be, was he, was he, it, was, was, it was, Selma? it was Ashley. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 you're talking about recently. Yeah, that was Selma, yeah. Yeah, Selma and Ashley. Right, right. I forgot I forgot about that. Yeah, that was Selma mm-hmm. and Ashley. Selma is... But Selma's also somebody who's willing to put in the work. Like, Selma's... Mm-hmm. Like, not now. She's recovering from surgery. Yeah, well, girl. But it's like... She was, like, traveling down to Miami and, like, Wilton Manors and performing at, like bars down there very frequently so it's like work work because she wanted to be known more than around here Mm -hmm. arguably i did the same thing yeah like you used to i mean you used to go down to west palm all the time or you know out all over orlando yeah god God, i miss the parliament house so much i know It's like, but it's like, I'm talking about even with this podcast, I could have just interviewed people in Florida. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I gave myself a challenge and started trying to like find people in LA. And I mean, girl, you've, you've interviewed people like across the ocean. I mean, like off the top of your, like off the top of your head, how many countries would you say you've reached? Um, Let's see. Hold on. Uh, three. It's okay. not like, but that's still more than like a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, hey, you know, it's it's. I think it's like a snowball effect where once, you know, once you get that ball rolling, 
It's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger so long as you keep putting in the work. Yes. Give me money. That's my advice. <laughs> give, give me money. I feel like I've proven myself. Give me money. <laughs> link to cash app link to cash app down below <laughs> oh trust my when i put this up on youtube i've done it with all of my videos my venmo links in there so like mm. when this when this goes on youtube my venmo links below i accept money Please uh -huh. give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um and i mean i mean who knows maybe this will uh lead you to getting noticed by some of the you know the, the bigger names in drag but i want to ask you something so if you had the choice like and, and you can only pick one if you had the choice between meeting rupaul and alaska who would it be oh this is easy alaska for sure, <laughs> for sure. like alaska is very much sort of an oddball i mean granted I would have said if you had said like RuPaul maybe thirty years ago, that would be the kind of RuPaul I'd meet. But like <laughs> RuPaul, RuPaul now is like too into. I'm never getting on Drag Race, but it's like too into, <laughs> it's too into like her head, and like that's why I wouldn't want to meet her now. Like I've I've heard stories of like. She would be out, like, getting ice cream somewhere and, like, even out of drag. Somebody would be like, don't you know who I am? She would say this to, like, queer people. It's like, girl, you are not Madonna, bitch. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and, and I don't keep up with that scene nearly as much as you do, but it's like, I know enough to where RuPaul had very, like, humble beginnings, even, like, Absolutely. His, I mean... I mean, anyone who's heard of like uh, Nelson Sullivan, he he was he was like the OG streamer podcaster. But I mean, the internet didn't even exist. But he would film, he would film himself, you know, all over New York City. And I guess he would he and RuPaul were roommates at some point. But I mean, you want to talk humble beginnings, you know, you know, she'd be working the streets, you know, in a costume that you could clearly tell was homemade, and you know, then perform. And I think. Was it called the Pyramid? I, I, yeah, this this club so, somewhere in Manhattan called uh, the Pyramid. Don't quote me on that, but uh, right. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it it took her a long time to get to where she is, you know. So I'll give credit where it's due. Yeah, I don't say that she doesn't deserve the credit that she has for building the empire that she has. Do I think that that means that you should be a bitch to everybody now just because you're above? A certain level no but that's that's how i am like and this is on this is on stream which means it's on video mm -hmm. it's gonna be your job bitch to keep me in track and like i don't think i'll ever get to that point but if i do talk to me girl you know it <clears throat> you know at the same time i know you you're very off the cuff, which, I mean, I think is more fun anyway. Right. As in, like, that's why even, like, when I do interviews on this podcast, a lot of people tell me to send them my questions. And it's like, yes, I, um, 
can send you like a general outline, but it's like if you get to a point where you're mentioning something where I can segue into another point that would include into the point that you're saying, right? I'm going to do it. Like it's, if, if I'm understanding you right, it's as if har hardly anything is off the table. Absolutely. Cause, cause it's like, but I also view that as myself. Like you can, you can literally ask Sean when she, when Sean asked me, like he said, do you want to see the questions? I'm like, no, cause I don't want to know what we're going to talk about. I'd rather go in blind. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, but let's take a left-hand turn a little bit, because, I mean, yeah. like, I've, I mean, I've, I've been putting myself out there a little bit more, like, in terms of dating and my love life, and I know you're saying, like, you weren't actively seeking a relationship, but it's like... That's I mean, correct. You, you know, but you, you, st you still see people, right? Um... When I have time, I'm very busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would <laughs> No, because like I say that and people are like, you only do this podcast twice a week. It's like, listen, do you <clears throat> well actually arguably I'm doing this podcast this week three times this week because I'm doing this interview. Oh, I'm doing an interview tomorrow and I'm doing an interview Thursday. Like Okay. So it's like it's not like every week is different and like in terms of some things if i am able to do research on somebody i'm gonna do research on somebody but mm -hmm. a lot of times i don't know much about like there's not a lot out there about go-go dancers but like mm. i will continue to support the go-go community just say yes to me and i will have you on and i'll find a way to make you interesting yes but would you would you consider dating a go-go boy? Uh yes. Mm. Absolutely. Cause it's like my line would be someone who's actively on OnlyFans or actively doing porn. Because my mm. thing is I could date somebody who's doing that stuff in the past. But it's like doing things in the present, it's like I don't know. It's I'm more. I thought for a time like that I would need to be in an open relationship, but I think now I'm leaning more towards like wanting monogamy. Yeah, which you know, and I'm and I'm I'm open to the idea of relationships, like where you know both partners say if if you find somebody where. You know, you want to try something new or explore, then you know, then go for right. it. Um, I think I'd prefer monogamy myself, but you know, I like I said, I haven't written, haven't totally written it off. But I guess to that point, uh, what would you say is your biggest turn on? A big dick. No I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 Correct answer. <laughs> but but um, and, 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 
many others. <laughs> I would say, um, for me, it's, I don't know, but it's like, almost you need to, it's you want to have a conversation with somebody where it's like, you could almost see being in a relationship with them. And it's like, Almost like you, like you, you tell you are going to have a connection with them. Yes, and I'm very much <clears throat> a fan of vulnerability. Mm. Where it's like, at least in my mind, if if you get the gut feeling that you can't, you know, open yourself up to somebody. Not to say you should share everything, because there's things only you and your therapist should know. But you know, if you if you're not comfortable with you know, sharing your interests and even things like your kinks and your fetishes, then it's probably right. going to work. But then, well, that kind of leads me to my, one of my other questions. So over the years, what would you say is the, the most interesting or like unusual kink or fetish you've encountered in real life? Ooh, got to think about that one. That's yeah. interesting. Because <laughs> there's ones that like... Well, okay, I haven't actively like seen this, but I heard this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there are people who are into murder porn. Uh, ooh, like I, I, I think I have heard of that, but it's so they, they, they get off by watching people be killed. I guess. Uh, yes. Ooh. <clears throat> now, frankly, that's that's something you should hope you never encounter in real life. No, I'm not getting murdered. <laughs> I didn't like survive being suicidal twice just to have somebody fucking murder me. No, I work, work. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's see. So turning now to let me see. Oh, this is something I actually wanted to touch on earlier. So. Um, like going back to, you know, the people that you've met, the friends you've made doing this podcast, right? Um, would you consider doing a collaborative album with, uh, Milo? I don't know if we do a collaborative album. We had the last time Milo was on, we did talk about doing a song, which is something I would definitely love to do like literally Milo's at the top of my like list of people I want to work with. Oh, but it's I, like, absolutely. But it's like, if we could make it work to do an album, I would love to do it. But the thing is, as Milo will say, if you ever get a chance to meet Milo, which I would love to, yes, it's, Finding Milo wherever the fuck he is, because Milo doesn't like <laughs> the same places for long. Yeah, well, so where where does he live now? Um, 
The last time I talked to him, he lived in D.C. I doubt he's in D.C. still. Because <laughs> that was something where it's like, you want to make, he wanted to make music in like a smaller music scene. And he's like, I'll move to D.C. I'm like, and I'm thinking, you idiot, you should just move to Detroit like I am. Cause like, <laughs> But, I mean, D- D.C.'s a cool town, I'm not going to lie. And, you know, it's, it's, well, yeah, especially if you live in those, like, certain Virginia or Maryland neighborhoods, like, ugh, there's no way. But, you know, but despite despite all the crotchety old fuckers that populate, you know, the government, um, it's, you know, there's not a half bad gay nightlife around there. Like last time I was right. up there, I mean, last time I was up there, this is probably, uh, I want to say nine years. Yeah. Nine years ago, even just walking down the DC side streets, there were lots of gay night bars, gay, gay nightclubs and bars. And I mean, I, I don't even think I was 21 at the time, so I couldn't go in, but I'm just like, Hey, I like this town a lot. But again, this, as I said, DC is expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like... Here's the thing. When I think music, I don't think DC. And that's probably why he wanted to move there. Yeah. And, you know, because if you want to move to a music city, I mean, Austin. Austin's a big one. Um, right. And that's also probably why I want to move to Detroit. Because it's like, when you think music... Detroit is not the first city that pops into your head. Yeah. Um, I mean, 50 years ago, I'm sure the first answer would have been Detroit because, yes, yeah, some of the biggest, you know, you know, some of the biggest, uh, you know, R&B and disco and kind of like Motown recordings were coming out of that city. Right. But it's also the fact of like when people want to talk about like Detroit is a music city, let's forget in like somewhat modern times, Eminem's originally from Detroit. Oh no shit. Yeah. Eminem's originally from Detroit. So it's like there's definitely like hip hop influences in Detroit, but it's like granted, is that all there is? But no, it's like mm-hmm. but even in Orlando, Orlando's not really as I said, people are doing acoustic sets in Orlando. I shook things up by being me. Right. I could do I could do the same thing in Detroit. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, let's see here. So so do you have a timeline for when you'd actually want to, you know, get up to Detroit? I'm thinking June. Okay. June so. June June twenty twenty four. Or if not somewhere near there. But we'll see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, but so long as you got something you're working toward, you know that's that's yeah. that that's going to keep the flame going, sweetie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, as I was just talking to you a few days ago, it's like I'm done. I'm done with this area. Like, <laughs> there's a reason I spend a lot of my weekends recently going down to Wilson because this area fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, I I feel a little bit different about that, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. But uh, yeah, I think that's because you would cast a fishing line off a off a like pier, and like that's something you would do as fun. Whereas I say, 
in in what in what fucking universe have I ever told you that I do that for fun? <laughs> That's. <laughs> I'd rather be thrown off a boat, boat like a Natalie Wood than fucking do that. But like. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay, girl. Now. <laughs> Let me shut up. Let's shut up. Okay, like, okay, okay, girl, girl, check, check. Just take a minute. I'm like, let's. <laughs> oh my god. So, but <laughs> but it's like, I, it's yeah. You you really have outgrown this area, and it's it's just like time for you to just you know, just spread your wings. I'm a, I'm a I'm a city bitch. Like that's honestly like oh, yeah. what what living in Orlando taught me is that like I'm a city bitch. Like I granted I don't need to be out like every night, but I need to be out like once a week, twice a week. Yeah, and I mean, and I wish <clears throat> I wish there were more places, you know, that were gay friendly around here. Because otherwise, you know, most of the time I you know I go to work and I go home and I, you know, I don't go out a whole lot, but. You know, if there were more places like that, then yeah, I'd go out after work a lot more. You need to come with me to Wilton. We'll do. <laughs> yeah, uh, like fucking road trip. <laughs> 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 fucking oh my god! I think I haven't been to Wilton in probably God nine, eight, nine years. But I think, well, the the manor's the only bar that I've been to down there it's you know with me and some friends would just you know pile in the car and just go there and then wind up at uh, fucking IHOP at four in the morning but <laughs> but um I just hope we'd, I just hope we'd go on a night where it's not you know 20 bucks cover charge to get in because whatever whatever night it was I went I'm like god damn are we you know what what are we paying to see well the last there was just an event um yesterday that um velvet lenore hosted who shout out to velvet i do love velvet um mm -hmm. velvet's originally from this area i found that out when i met her but like she was just doing an event in honor of the 14th anniversary of the manor and cover was five dollars that's not that bad day. yeah Hell of a lot better than 20. <laughs> but I haven't had to recently pay to get into anywhere in Wilton. Um, but, I mean, is it because, you know, more and more people recognize you or? No, it's just I've gone to places without cover. But I mean, like, I am. I'm going to start. I'm starting to, like, slowly but surely get recognized when I go to certain people's events. Like, I just went to an event last weekend where, like, I met one of the, um, I would say one of the people who makes, um, Wilton, Wilton Matters, Wilton Matters, his name is, um, Geo, and he, like, oh. famously, uh, well, I should say famously, he hosts... He hosts parties there a lot. He runs a um, studio in Wilts in Wilson or Fort Lauderdale, where like people shoot 
um, photos of themselves. They um, shoot porn, OnlyFans, and all this stuff. Like, he's one of those types of people. I met him last weekend, and, like, mm-hmm. we followed, we followed each other for years, but it's like now we had, like, a chance to finally meet in person because I didn't see any point in going to Wilton unless I knew people. Yeah, because, you know, otherwise it's like you're, you're flying in the dark blind. And even, yeah, like if, if, if I go out, then I want to have someone come with me, you know, even like I, I would even, it, it would make me feel more like safe, if that makes any sense. Well, the thing is, if you come with me, I can, I can now introduce you to entertainers in Wilton because I now know some. That'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, let's see. But um, yeah, so Wilton's fantastic. But what would you have you have you done much of the Miami scene, or are you not really into that? I don't like Miami. Like the last time I was in Miami, I just I don't. I don't know. I just I don't like it because like. I feel like there's more rules of like what you're allowed to like go into certain clubs and have. Cause like anyone who knows me now, I am Prince Electro Diamond, the bitch that is famously half naked every time I perform <laughs> or go anywhere. So it's like, it's, yeah, but I think, I think um, starting to get your point. Cause you know, I've been cruising through South beach and, you know, you can hear some of the, you can hear the music from some of these clubs a block away. And, you know, you see the velvet rope outside and the vibe that I get is, you know, you, you'd feel like an asshole for just even trying to get into the place. Like, you know, like, oh, you know, you're, you're not the kind that we wanted here next. And you'd probably pay 50, 50 bucks just to get through the door and then another 20 bucks a cocktail. It's my, my reason is not for that. It's like now there are places where they have rules of, because I will say this: I'm a drag queen, but I'm not a purse bitch. So, like, I famously carry my shit around in like a small backpack, and like, mm-hmm. in a lot of clubs in Miami, there are rules against having backpacks when you go in clubs. So it's like, I either don't go out, or I go out and like not be in drag, and I don't have as much fun. Well, so you're saying that people can carry purses but not backpacks? Absolutely. The last time I was out in Miami, I ran into that same issue. It's why I had to I literally had gotten ready and then I went to go like check the website of the place and they literally said no backpacks. And it's not like this is a big backpack. This is a small backpack. It literally has yeah. it's it's just enough room for like my wallet, my keys, my phone and like a small like makeup bag, my hairbrush, and like mm-hmm. it's it's not big at all. Because uh, you could easily smuggle shit into the club with a little backpack or a purse. It's this it's the same thing, just a different shape. They um limit the size of purses at certain places. Okay, so at least I, there's that, but it's you know it's it's weird to ban one thing but not the other. Right. Um Whereas, like, in Wilton, I haven't run into that issue yet. Yeah, like, like Miami is definitely, at, at least if you, if you know where to go, you can avoid 
those like exclusive places because you know i mean I've, I've got family who lives down there and anytime we go out and paint the town it's like you know boom 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 you know we're going to all these all these places that you know if you're a tourist there's no way you'd find them but i um i mean shit i've even I even know of a couple of places in South Beach where you can get a drink for five bucks, which is unheard of. I do have to give a shout out to one place in South Beach. It's a place that I've been to. They have a phenomenal drag scene. It's um, Palace. If you've never been to Palace in in South Beach, it's literally mm. the queens there are like amazing. I know at least on their dinner shows, they have... Oh, so they do more than drag brunch. Yes. They nice. do a dinner show because um I believe I have to double check with this. Somebody who I'm the person I'm interviewing on Thursday, I believe, performs there now, or at least they used to before. Okay. Cause yeah, if if the two of us were to go to Miami, that's where I'd want to go. Right, so like, but if we were to do this, would you want to do like, we could do like Wilson and then like drive down to Miami too, like. It's not a bad it, idea. Yeah, it's not that big of a difference. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we could do it all on a single day, but you know. No, 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 no. I'd be saying like. Please, I the only time I thought about doing Wilton in one day was I thought about going down yesterday to the um to the manor event and then coming back up, but it's like it's it's such a long drive. Well, it's not that. Sean knows what I was getting up to this weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I, I plead the fifth. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to talk about <laughs> Let's just say I got a tune-up that I needed. Um, <laughs> anyway, next, next question. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, he, he was keeping your engine warm. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah next question so <laughs> so <clears throat> excuse me so i know with, with this podcast growing like it is i mean if it got big enough because i know you know i know you need to have creative control but would you ever hire a little like production team or some kind of support staff um Yes, but I would say I would honestly, I would say I'd want, I'd want to like do more of a collaboration with somebody like in terms of the person I'm writing questions with, I'd want, or writing, have to do questions. I'd want to do like questions with them. Mm -hmm. And I'd also want approval on guests. Cause like, I don't want to, it's why, like, I would say, in tr in truth, I'm not like Ellen. Because, like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, just have somebody on just to have somebody on. I want to have some interest in the person I'm interviewing. Exactly. It's, 
Well, like, so having somebody on just to have them on, like, what's, I mean, like, what, what's the point of that? Well, but because you got to, you got to figure like Ellen did it for her um, entire talk show is like, so that they could promote their newest projects. When I'm approaching somebody to promote their newest project is because I'm interested in their newest project. Gotcha. Uh, so let's see here. And well, then as far as keeping people booked, um, I know that multiple times you've had guests, you know, cancel or back out at the last minute. Right. So, like, do you always, if they do that, do you always give them another chance or does it depend on the, uh, the situation? It depends on if there's communication with me. If there's communication with me and it's a legitimate excuse, I usually give people a second chance. If it's... I would say, in truth, if you're going to have to reschedule with me, I would prefer somebody to tell me that before I get ready. Because mm -hmm. there have been times where I've had people reschedule after I've gotten ready. But, like, I would prefer if you have to, like, I mean, granted, shit happens, but it's like, I don't need much notice. I literally need, like, at most an hour, an hour and a half, like, just to give me, like, notifications of, like, hey, I can't do today. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes uh, shit happens and absolutely you can't make it but if like if you're doing this two three four times then it's like okay um are you in or out well no i usually i tend to not give people third chances yeah which you know makes sense but um so who, who did you say it was that you're interviewing tomorrow? So the person I'm interviewing tomorrow's name is um, Greg McKeon. He's the um, he's a judge on the judge and co-creator of the show, Go Go for the Gold, and is an OnlyFans content creator along with well, this I don't have any questions about, but apparently he lives in Oregon and does Christmas tree farming. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like we've talked about him before. Because um, he was booked before. He was booked that's, before. That's it. But that was a situation, again, where something came up. And we rescheduled, but he's definitely been more responsive this time, which gives me satisfaction as the host. That he's actually going to show up tomorrow. Yeah, which which that's a good thing because you know if I mean I've known too many people in my life who you know they they can't communicate to save their life. You know they'll take three to five business days to answer a text, or they'll they'll never call you back, and I I just. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that right. shit. Right. Right. <clears throat> hmm. But let's see. 
I'm starting to run out of prepared questions here, but in fact, let me let me turn this around. Did you did you have anything you want to ask me? Ooh. I have never done this to a guest, clearly, because I well actually no. There are some times that guests have voluntarily asked questions to me that I've answered. Hmm. But I would say I guess the only question I have is now doing this medium, now doing it, you're almost an hour 40 in now. Mm-hmm. Like, is this something that you would consider doing? I wouldn't, I, I understand you don't want like my schedule. I don't, I don't think anyone wants my schedule, but like, <laughs> would you consider doing this like, if you had the idea, maybe like once a month, like not, not, not on my podcast, I'm talking about just like in general. <clears throat> Meaning like, would I start my own podcast or something yeah. similar? Yeah. yeah. That you essentially just do like maybe once a month, like once every other month. Like, yeah, that's, well, that's not a bad idea. Cause you know, like I said, I mean, it, it, it's, it only feels like it's been 10 minutes, but here we are an hour and or, going on an hour and 40 minutes. And right. You know, it's, I guess it, 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 it just feels more natural, you know, being behind the mic because I've never really done anything like this. But, um, yeah, this is, this has been an experience, I got to tell you. And one that I, and one that I can't thank you enough for, you know, you know, for having me on and everything. Of course, baby. Like, <laughs> my thing is, I will see what the audience's reaction is like with you based on the clips and like the full video and like the comment section and who knows y'all may see sean again and i may not be the guest he may be interviewing somebody that he has some interest in getting to know oh work work and and well, as a matter of fact, I've been on this show once before, but it was it was before it was before your your uh, streaming days. Right. It was before. It was back in season one when I literally have like even less of an audience than I do now. So it's like, in terms of coming back, I will always say like. And who knows, I may flip, listen to that, and, like, have him back on again and, like, interview him. But the thing is, like, my thing is I don't know my schedule because I will will say this. December's looking a little tight Mm -hmm. because just because um it happens that like christmas and new year's eve both fall on mondays so it's like i have to push people into january right and i mean and i'd probably be working anyway right 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 yeah it's you know with 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 the big with the big shakeups i've had at my job these past uh, few weeks i mean <laughs> i'm just taking this shit one day at a time um, but you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, the holidays, you know, they're just going to come and go. And like, it's, 
you know, to me, it's still a special time, but somebody I know used to say there's, there's nothing over like Christmas, you know, with there being so much pressure to go out and spend, and I couldn't believe this, but the average person is expected to spend over like $800 on Christmas shopping. And I'm like, I mean, I get that you want to buy presents, but there's other ways to say I love you. <laughs> See, eight, wow, $800. I'm spending nowhere near that on Christmas. Yeah, I can say I, that right now. <laughs> I, that, that makes two of us. But, you know, it's there's, there's so much pressure to, you know, go through the motions, do your shopping, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, you know, I'm content to just get with family, drink wine, eat good food, and hang out. Yeah, I think my budget's at most probably like $120 for Christmas for this. <laughs> and I, and I, I haven't even started my shopping yet, but uh, I guess I, if I wait. I haven't either. Yeah, I guess. Well, if I wait, if I wait too much longer, Amazon probably won't get it to me till after New Year's. <laughs> but well, I believe in giving New Year's presents. Fuck, I might do that. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's not a bad idea. I know I have to. There's someone I'm putting it off. I'm putting it off. I always do. I put it off because, like, mm -hmm. I don't. Here's the thing: it's very easy shopping for me. I have no problem shopping for me. I have a lot of problems shopping for other people. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot a lot of the people in my life, they are impossible to shop for. Yeah, but I, I, try, I try and keep the presents thoughtful, and every now and then I'll make something, but, you know, I don't know, just, I mean, I feel like the last thing that the average person needs is, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of gadgets that are going to break in two years. Exactly. So go back Stone Ages. Classics, present, a jar of dirt. <laughs> it's like, we give you jar of dirt. You give me rock. <laughs> exactly. It's like, this well, is I the mean, thing. It's like, Get people influential presence. It's like I don't know who you're influenced by. I can sit. I I consider Martha Stewart an influential person. I think Martha Stewart is amazing. <laughs> Everyone's like, why? Why is Martha Stewart a role model? Because she's been to prison. That's why. Oh my god! <laughs> With the whole insider trading shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never. I've never followed much of her cooking, but um, I mean, I don't even. How active is she even still? She has a show with Snoop Dogg, I think. Oh, I might be. They have like a cooking show on. I want to say VH1. I might be wrong about that, hmm. but I know that they do have a cooking show. I just don't know what network it's on. Hmm. Yeah, it's Snoop Dogg. I'd never think. Hmm. Well, I think I'm. I think I'm starting to run out of steam here. Um, let me see. Just figure out how to close it out. <laughs> I'm not in control. I know. <laughs> but like I said, you know, I would love to do that. I would love to do this again sometime. And even somebody oh. I'd be, I'd be interested in getting to know. That's 
Now that would be that would be fun. But <clears throat> I guess at the end of the day, you know, again, can't thank you enough for having me on. Well, of and <laughs> thank thank you for interviewing me. Oh, it's my pleasure, sweetie. Well, with that, with that, I think I'm going to uh, going to sign off here. I want to say I love all you beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next and until next time, this has been Sean speaking for Gay Out the City and hope you all have a fabulous day. Work.